Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and it's my privilege to be the minister here. Just a couple of things before we get into our service today. The Upper Room Daily Readings are available from Anne Anderson. If you want one, could you get in touch with Anne? On Sunday the 13th of December at 3pm on the website, we host what for me is one of the most significant and perhaps poignant services of the year. It's called Light in the Darkness. It's a service for people who find Christmas a difficult time for whatever reason. And let's be honest, that's many of us. It could be through bereavement or loneliness or a sense of loss or unemployment or, or whatever the reason might be. You are very welcome to join us as we acknowledge the difficult times that Christmas can present and look for some hope, some light in that darkness. I'd also ask you to sign up for our Advent email. We're almost a week in now, uh, and we are making a wee collection of uh, Advent characters, uh, nativity characters, so that you can make your own nativity uh, scene out of paper. Um, they're brilliant little things. Also, each day you get a reading, a thought, and a prayer. So something to do for all the family, and hopefully something to help us all as we journey through Advent. Last year, we hosted Anka and Quentin and they performed for us brilliantly in our candlelight concert. This year, obviously, we can't do that here in the church, but they've graciously agreed to film a concert from their home and that will be available on the 20th of December. That's Sunday, the 20th of December. There'll be more information about that uh, in the coming weeks, but for now, just put it in your diary at 7.30 on the 20th of December. It'll be on the website, so please, please join us for that. There's loads more coming up over Advent. I'd encourage you to, to check out our Facebook page every day. There's some readings and poems and uh, Advent reflections from our friends at St John's Church in Largs every evening. Some words written by the wonderful Liz Crumlish. So please join us throughout Advent as we journey together. A prayer of adoration and of confession. God of tough truth-telling and profligate grace bestowing, God of judgment and of grace, you call us through your prophets to repent not because we're bad and worthless, because you know, as we do not, just how much good there is in us yet to be discovered. You see the potential in us, waiting for the right soil in which to grow. You see the sins and failures of which we're so ashamed, as obstacles to be removed and lessons to be learnt from so that we can be filled with your spirit, just as Jesus was, and to change the world with him. Hold us steady now, we pray, as we do our best to repaint or rethink our lives this far. What is there that is good that needs to be celebrated? What have we learned since we last did this sort of thing with you? Where are the signs of growth that need to be nurtured? And where are the unmistakable parts of decay that need to be dealt with in order that new life can come? And now comes the good news. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. 
Try not to make the same mistakes too often again. Loving God, we'll continue to get things wrong. Of course we will, because we're human. So help us when we do to remember our baptism and all that it signifies. A fresh start, a new beginning, our oneness with Christ who was human too and made that something to be proud of. May we be clean, not just on the outside, but through and through by the power of your spirit in us to the glory of his name and for the healing of the whole world. You taught us to come together and to pray together. And so we're pleased to join in your words saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. So today we light our second Advent candle and invite you, if you have a candle at home, to light yours along with me. God who brings light into our darkness. We ask that you journey with us through this Advent season and shed light on all that we do.
As many of you will know, I suffered a serious cycle accident whilst on holiday in Oman. That resulted in a four and a half month stay due to a severe spinal injury in the National Spinal Unit in Glasgow. Over that period of time, there was a lot of hard work, a bit of determination, and also a lot of prayer, which I took great comfort and energy from. That prayer came not only from Stonehouse, but across Scotland, and even as far and wide as Canada. And I thank everybody for giving me the power of prayer to help in that fight. 2020 hasn't been the best of years for a number of reasons, as we all know. My injury complicated that for our family. And again, I would like to say a huge thank you and a lot of indebtedness to the people that have supported Gillian and the family over that period. Now that I'm home, let's look forward to a very, very good Christmas. And we wish everybody a better and more prosperous 2021. Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. This is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It began as the prophet Isaiah had written. God said, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. Someone is shouting in the desert. Get the road ready for the Lord. Make a straight path for him to travel. So John appeared in the desert, baptising and preaching. Turn away from your sins and be baptised, he told the people, and God will forgive your sins. Many people from the province of Judea and the city of Jerusalem went out to hear John. They confessed their sins and he baptised them in the river Jordan. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. He announced to the people, The man who will come after me is much greater than I am. I am not good enough even to bend down and untie his sandals. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It seems so bland. So ordinary to us, what a boring way to start a story. But to think that of the prologue to Mark's gospel is to completely misunderstand just how radical that sentence and the gospel that follows it are. The beginning, well that means this is the end of something and the start of something new. We know good news by another name, Evangelion, gospel. Gospel's not just a religious word though, it's a word with political meaning and power. When Mark used it in this way to start the story of the Messiah, the Son of God, it was hugely subversive. A gospel was, of course, a manifesto. The good news of what's available in the Roman Empire. It set out the privileges and the responsibilities of becoming a citizen of the empire. They sent an apostle, the person who represented the government of Rome, the kingdom, the empire, to proclaim the gospel. When a new heir was born, that time was celebrated and called Advent. 
So from the very start of Mark's good news, the advent of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, we need to realize that this is no simple account of the life and times of Jesus. Rowan Williams suggests that Mark's gospel is nothing short of a book about regime change. It's loaded with politics. It's thoroughly incendiary. It mocks the Roman Empire. It shows the real gospel, the real good news. is very different, a very different kind of kingdom. A kingdom that Jesus, the Messiah, invites us into. This story from the very first line sets out this intention to change the world, to change everything. That's what we wait for in Advent. Nothing less than a revolution. From a start like that, where does Mark go next? Well, back to the great exile and the prophecies of Isaiah. I'll send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. The revolution is coming. A complete change, a new kingdom. The waiting is almost over. This time of exile is almost ended. And it will come from the wilderness, from the outside, not from the temple. It seems important to mark that the story of the Messiah doesn't begin with Mary's conception or even of Jesus' birth. Of course, it's John who reminds us that the story begins at the beginning of all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and through the Word all things were created. But Mark seems keen to place his gospel in the cycle of exile, the central story of God and his people, the broken relationship that lies at the heart of our story, a divorce, a breakdown, a split, a family that needs to be reconciled, and then it all happens again. And yet through all the pain, hope remains. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Hope, there's always hope. The Babylonian exile ends and the people return home to find everything has changed. The temple's been destroyed. The city of Jerusalem has been flattened. Its walls have been torn down. But God is still their God. He was always with them wherever they went. They had forgotten that and it took them a long time to remember. Eventually the Romans appear, more occupation, more suppression and oppression, another broken relationship with the land, more exile. Our problem seems to be that for all that history we still don't understand. We just don't get that God loves us. We still amass our wealth and build our temples. We all value things other than God. We all think we can manage by ourselves. Walter Brueggemann suggests that Advent is not just a particular time in the church calendar where we think about exile and longing. It characterises all church time. We're a group who lives with our past in ruins, with no clear future, and with many of the things of home gone or broken. To some extent, we all live in our own exile. Exile's when we forget our story. Exile is not just about location. Exile is about the state of our souls. Exile is when we fail to convert our blessings into blessings for others. Exile is when we find ourselves a stranger to the purposes of God. So God comes to us because we are too stubborn to go to him. And for Mark, that's the point. It's not that the birth of Jesus isn't important. It's just for him, the, there's a bigger picture that seems to matter more. The history and the politics and the very real sense of exile are the background for him. It's into this context that 
that John the Baptist, the herald of the Messiah, arrives crying out those age-old words in the place where new beginnings always come from. This is the setting in which God comes to us here on earth with us. It's into that story of broken relationship, of oppression and slavery and disobedience and shame that God still speaks hope. Hope because God still loves us, even though we have repeatedly broken the covenant, the relationship, the promise. Hope must be our context. Hope that God hasn't given up on us and God's hope that we haven't given up on him. Hope that a new way is near. Hope that the day of the Lord will come, the same hope of the exile. So we must turn to Luke and Matthew to tell us the story of the birth. The angels and shepherds and wise men are theirs. Yet in many ways, John and Mark give us perhaps a more compelling view of God's arrival, set right in the heart of the ongoing story of exile and renewal. But before Mark introduces us to this Jesus Christ, The first character we're introduced to is a wild man in the wilderness wearing his camel hair tunic and his leather belt eating locusts and wild honey and out there on the edge of the desert railing against corruption and injustice and calling everyone who goes near him to confess their sins to be baptised because the day of the Lord is coming soon. John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's the end of the old ways. The man sent to open the door and usher us across the threshold into something new. For hundreds of years, these prophets, these men and women have spoken of this moment, the time when God will come near again. So it seems particularly appropriate that John should start by quoting the greatest of all the prophets, Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. But what does that mean? This isn't some big civil engineering project. No, the preparation is for us, for us to do in our own lives. John is offering the people something precious, a chance to start over, the realisation of that hope. And it begins by first confessing. Confession is a complicated word. It really means naming the truth. So if I confess to having done something, I'm naming the truth of that event. But finding the truth isn't always straightforward. My view of that event might differ from yours. So we have to try and agree on a shared understanding of the truth. And in that conversation and the agreement, then the next stage happens. Redemption through the forgiveness of sins. Of all the things that are promised in Jesus, the chance to be forgiven and to be renewed and restored and perhaps the most precious and the most difficult. Precious for those in need of forgiveness and difficult for those who have been wronged. The work of forgiveness is founded on that shared understanding, the acknowledgement of the truth of what happened, of how people felt and what ways they were affected. Speaking those truths and hearing them spoken can be both incredibly painful and also incredibly liberating. It's as big a task as levelling mountains and valleys. Of all the things we're invited into, this task of confession and forgiveness is the most profound and the most life-changing. The people I spoke to were in, in captivity. They'd been taken off to a strange land and held as prisoners. They were in exile, separated from where they wanted to be, longing for a time when they could return. 
I think we can all relate to that this year of all years. To be distant from those we love. To be unable to do the things that give us joy and to be separated from each other is painful. It makes us long for the days when the doors will be flung open and once again we'll be able to join together and celebrate and to mourn together. The day of release comes for the exiles. But the liberation wasn't instant. But it did begin with a word. Hope. Even in the midst of all that has happened, all the pain, all the loss, all the sadness, all the despair, hope remains. Comfort. Oh, comfort my people, says the Lord. It's been the story of these people right from the beginning. In their pain, they cry out to God and God hears them. And God responds, leading them back home. But it was a long journey home. Back across the wilderness, the very desert where John stands now. And it wasn't just a physical journey home. It was more than rebuilding all that had been destroyed, renewing Jerusalem from the rubble. The restoration was one of self-examination. Discovering what it had been that had led to all of this in the first place. Facing their collective arrogance and disobedience. They had wandered far from the way they were supposed to live. But they had a chance to learn, to be forgiven and to start over again. John the Baptist spoke to people who were also captives, stuck in their own exile. Their prison, like ours, was made of bars of their own action and walls created from their poor decisions. And John was offering them a way out. But it wasn't some quick fix with a dunk in the river and everything will be okay. The immersion in water, the baptism was symbolic. A public demonstration of what was going on inside. That everything had been washed clean. That they were ready to begin the hard work of reconciliation and renewal. They needed to be set free from all that oppressed them because when we're consumed by our guilt or the consequences of something we did or by the impact of events that were not of our doing, we can so often fail to see what lies beyond them. And John needs the people to see. He needs us to see because something incredible is about to be unveiled. John points to Jesus, the one who will baptise with more than water, with the breath, the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, the Messiah, the Saviour, the bringer of new life and the end of exile forever. Hope fulfilled. Exile ended. God here, among us. But first, let the hard work of Advent begin.
eternal God without ending or beginning. You stepped into time in Jesus. For that's the best our clumsy words can do to express that indefinable wonder of your presence in him. Where does that story begin? Not in Bethlehem or in Nazareth, despite all the fuss that we make of his birth. Not with the prophets who simply spoke what they saw and they heard these deep truths that they hardly understood themselves. His story has its roots, others mine and, and that of everyone here, in the fathomless mystery of your love. We stop for a moment to ponder what that means and the difference it could make to everything. We were made in love and for love. We are loved and worth loving. We are not alone. For if you were with us then, then you're with us now. Wonderful God, let us stop this senseless chatter and simply worship. As did the wise men and shepherds and the angel host in heaven. Let's go back to the very beginning and rest in the assurance of your love. Thanks be to you, O God. Amen. As we go into this week, may we prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths that lead to God in our hearts, in our souls, through our words and actions, our choices and decisions. And may we go as God's beloved, filled with the Holy Spirit, sensing the approach of Christ our King. Amen. Don't forget that you can join us each week by telephone. Just call 01698 755533. That's 01698 755533. You can listen to the service for the price of a local call. Each week, on Sundays from 1pm till 2.30pm, you can donate to the local food bank at St Ninian's Church. Just drive up to the front door and drop off your gift to the food bank. Please remember to respect social distancing and to wear your face mask. And up until Christmas, we are part of the Stonehouse Christmas Gift Appeal in conjunction with some of the community groups. If you want to donate a Christmas present for a struggling family in Stonehouse, then they can be handed in at the food bank at the same time in Vickers Road at the church from 1pm to 2.30pm each Sunday until Christmas. And these will then be distributed to families in need throughout the village. Every Thursday throughout Advent, we'll be digging deeper, discovering Advent and getting deeper into the stories that we've been reading. That's on Thursday from 7.30pm until about 9pm, and that's on Zoom. The latest edition of The Link magazine is now available online. Printed editions will be available after the 11th of December when we emerge from Tier 4. But for the moment, if you go to saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk, you can find The Link magazine in the About Us tab.